Welcome to Convention Pulpit, Wesleyan Voices Past and Present, brought to you through the Ministry of Inner Church Holiness Convention. Visit our website for an entire library of great sermons and more information on this ministry, www.ihconvention.com. Much could be said about our speaker for today, but if you know him well, you know that he never let the grass grow under his feet. A wonderful pastor, an anointed evangelist, and a gifted denominational leader. D.P. Denton preached this sermon at the Midwest Pilgrimholiness Camp Meeting in 1990, and he titles it, The Steps of a Good Man Are Ordered of the Lord. I know you will enjoy this wonderful sermon. Bibles with us this morning, book of Psalms, Psalm 37. I believe you can serve time. I'll ask you to stand while I read one verse. Will you stand with me, please? Psalm 37, we're reading verse 23. Psalm 37, verse 23. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. Our Father, we approach thee this morning feeling our own unworthiness. Oh, how we thank thee for the privilege of being a part of the family of God. We don't deserve it. We have no worth or merit of our own with which to recommend ourselves unto thee. We've never earned it. We didn't come out of a background such as most of these have come. In your mercy and your grace, you lifted us out of that, gave us the privilege of being a part of the greatest family in this world and the only family that's going to enjoy the world to come. Oh God, help every one of us this morning to earnestly consider where we are in thy sight and we'll give you the praise for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Now I'm going to share with you just a brief outline of what I have in my heart this morning and on my mind and share with you a little story and leave it with you. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. This, this Psalm 37, I wish you'd learn it, memorize it. One of the most encouraging Passages in all the Word of God. It's also a passage that warns the ungodly and the unsaved over and over. But with every warning, it has an encouragement for the people of God. And this is one of them. I like it. I like it. And among the encouraging things is our text this morning. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. Now, 
several things I notice here, and I'm going to mention them briefly. And the first one is, there are good men and good women. We live in a cynical age. We live in an age when the spirit of the Antichrist is taking over. I'm firmly convinced, friends, that we're right near the time when the Antichrist will be revealed. You know, some folks seem to have the idea he's going to advertise his coming. The Bible doesn't teach that at all. In fact, it never talks about his, him coming except in one place. And that's where it talks about the manner of his coming, whose who's coming is after all to save among us and so on. That isn't about the time of his coming. That's about the manner of his coming. But Bible talks about him being revealed as if he's already here and we just find out who he is. I firmly believe that. I believe that the power of the Antichrist is working in this world. There's no other way to explain things that are happening in our world, in our nation today. There's no other way to explain it. And that cynicism that's been developed that everybody's sinful, promoted mainly by the sinning religionist people, isn't it amazing how the devil can use church people to promote his ideas and his My older son who teaches in the graduate school at the University of Kentucky has for many years was chosen one of 12 men from around the world a couple of summer ago to spend two weeks in a seminar at Oxford College in England and uh, debating the subject or the uh, Relation between science and religion. My son came back and he said, Dad, out of those 12 men, only two of us, only two of us believed in God. Said for two weeks, he and one other man, a man from England, he and one other man, out of those 12 men in that seminar, the only two, they believed in God. We live, I say, in a cynical world. They'll tell you nobody's good. Everybody has their prize, they say. But I'm glad, thank God, that God's word assures us that there are good men. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. This is an age in which the world holds no hope for God's people. Ah, you're a bunch of nitwits. I remember preaching on the streets in Bristol, Virginia some years ago. At that time, I happened to have been the assistant principal of a large high school and like, and the lady came up and listened a few minutes. She didn't like what I was saying, and I want to tell you, she laid me out. I told you yesterday, that's one thing I don't have to worry about. I don't have to worry about dying. I've been laid out so many times. It just is going to bother me. She laid me out, and she... Ended up saying, what's wrong with you folk? You're a bunch of ignoramuses. And she just laid, nobody believes that stuff. That's got any sense. Well, I stood there and laughed at her. I, some things I told you the other day, some things I've never tried to stop. Niagara Falls, I've never tried to stop it. When a woman gets going, I never try to stop her. Just let her go. I just let her go and she ran down and Finally, I said, Sister, I'd like for you to come to my office sometime. Now, where is your office? I said, uh, over in the 
high school. I happen to be the assistant principal over there, and one of your children is in one of my classes. The world would have us believe you. Know, anybody believe that? They're dumbbells. They're ignoramuses. They're, well, they're, they're off the mainstream. I told one fellow, he jumped up in a meeting where I was speaking, and not a religious meeting at all, but I was taking the side of, uh, of our American government in opposition to the folks who were trying to tear it down. And fellow jumped up and he said, you're not even in the mainstream. I said, I don't want to be. For every stream I ever saw is going downhill, and I'm not anxious to go downhill. Thank God I'm on the highway of holiness. <laughs> hey, it's going up. Praise God. There are good men. Matthew chapter 25, the Lord talked about uh, a good man. He said that the Lord will say in the last days, well done thou good and faithful servant. We're told in the gospel of Luke chapter 23 that Joseph was a good man. Thank God. The Bible has a lot to say about good people. In fact, many sins, friend, if it wasn't for the good men and the good women, this old world of ours would have been gone a long time ago. I believe with all my heart that the only thing that's holding America together is the prayer of God's people. We ought to be praying more for our government and for our nation than we are. But let's move rapidly on. I'm just going to give you the pieces. I told you the other day I might well give them to you because you're going to take this in the park before you get home anyway. <laughs> so might well let you have it. But this teaches us that there are good men and that the good man is known by his steps. Known by the way he walks. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. Not uh, his talk, but his walk. Did you remember that the first test that was put on Israel when they got into the land of Canaan, when they got across the river Jordan into Canaan, that we use that as a type of getting sanctified, and I think it is a biblical type. But if that's so, then the first test that God put on Israel after they got into Canaan was a test that would kill 90% of the holiness movement today. He said, I want you to walk where I tell you to walk for seven days. And while you're doing it, I want you to keep your mouth shut. Isn't that right? Don't make a sound. Well, I, I confess to you, I'm afraid that'd kill 90% of us. Why would I back there many times not teaching school and, and uh, other times working in youth camps and so on? I've tried my best in a crowd of, of people to get 60 seconds of absolute silence. And you know something? After all these years, I've never gotten it. 60 seconds of absolute silence. We just can't be quiet. We got to make a noise. Radio's got to be blaring. The TV's got to be flickering. The telephone's got to be jangling. The, the stereo's got to be grinding. The neighbors have got to be gossiping. I can't stand this awful silence. And yet, the book teaches us that it's in silence that we grow strong in the Lord. Right, right. Huh? 
Good man's not is known by his walk, not by his lips, but by his life. I've known a lot of people could really talk beautifully, but they lived awful dirty. He's known not by his degrees. Oh, wait a minute, I ought to mention that. Well, I've already said it. He's known not by his degrees, but by the direction in which he's going. We're living in a day when men are selling their souls for the privilege of having a few little letters after their name. Now, there's nothing wrong with a man earning a degree. I'd be awful silly to stand up here and tell you there was since... There happens to be 20 of them in my family, my three brothers and my one daughter-in-law and myself. I'd be mighty silly to tell you, but I want to tell you there is something wrong with a fellow running around advertising, especially if it's an honorary degree. I was taught back there in ethics. Of course, that was back in the dark ages when I was going to school, but anyway... I, I was taught that a man should never attach a title of respect to his own name. And for that reason, I never use the term reverend in connection with my name unless it's necessary to identify what I'm doing. We were taught that a man should not attach a title of respect, and that's all an honorary degree is. But I find... Fellas running around. I, I get letters from fellas that can't even spell. I honestly feel like sending some of them a spelling book. As they say, they'll sign that, Dr. So-and-so. Well, I thank God for men that are genuine doctors and have earned it. I appreciated Dale Yoakum. He and I were very good friends. Hell, Yoakum had one of the keenest minds of any man I've ever known. And he earned his doctorate in a field that uh, I can't even pronounce the word. But I never heard Dale Yoakum refer to himself as doctor in any way. I've known a lot of other men like that. But we, we get into points, you know, where we try to know them by their degrees. Well, I'm kind of like old brother Ed O's out in Oklahoma. Ed said he used to have two degrees, but his wife gave him an aspirin tablet and he lost both of them. And we could, if we could feed some of these boys a pill of some kind that caused them to get rid of that thing, it might help them out. A good man is not known for the class in which he finds himself, but by his cleanliness. He's not known by the position he holds, but by his purity. He's not known by his looks. If he was, wouldn't any of us be known? But anyway, he's not known by his looks, but by his love that he manifests in the way that he lives. Good man is not known by his company, but by his compassion for the lost about him. Thank God there are good men, and good men are known by their steps. And the steps of a good man are ordered of the Lord. Now, a good man is known by steps, and a good man's steps are ordered, are directed 
or as your marginal reference may say, established by the Lord. Thank God. He doesn't, he doesn't run his own business. Huh? No Christian runs their own affairs. After all, friends, that's the basis of humanism. I've heard a lot of folks talking and even preaching against humanism that knew good and well they was going to do as they pleased. There's a lot of practical humanism among us today based on the same thing that made the devil. The devil was the first humanist. Old pride, I want to run things. I'm the master of my own fate. I'm God, as that... uh, Poor actress Shirley MacLaine declares over and over she traveled about over the country. I'm God, you're God, we're all gods. Comes from a, a super pride. And we're seeing more and more and more of that stinking thing manifesting itself among the holiness people today. Somebody comes in with a new dress or a new suit and <laughs> how to I look. You know, the book says, whether therefore you eat or drink, the most common things we do, whether therefore you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. But I have never yet seen anybody showing off a new frock, a dress or a suit or whatever it might be that said, do you think this will glorify God? It's always, what does it do to me? How do I look? Well, I want to tell you the best way to make some of us look better is just put a hood over our whole face. I said us now, not you, us. I'm getting so I almost have to shut my eyes while I shave, but anyway. And yet we, how do you feel when you look in the mirror anyway? Huh? Uh, we used to have a conference president down home. My two older boys were small and home, and he stayed with us a lot. His wife passed away, and our house became his home almost. Stayed with us quite a lot. He, he was all, like me. He was so homely. Only thing, I have a lot more hair than he had. He only had uh, three or four twigs up here. And our boys take, took after their mother. She, when she was younger, she had a real giggle box. she just giggle and laugh, and the boys took after her. And he found out that they'd laugh at him. And he'd get in front of the mirror, you know, and he'd push those little hairs around after he'd find them, and he'd push them around a little bit. He'd say, my, ain't he handsome. And my boys would just go into fits of laughter. Well, I've seen a lot of folk, you know, that really meant it. He was just putting on. But friends, the steps of a good man are not directed in the way of running our own affairs or glorifying ourselves or pushing ourselves or peddling our own personality or elevating our own ego. Thank God the steps of the good man are ordered by the Lord. Not only that, but... I'm jumping over a lot here, I'd like to say, but I see right now I'm already in trouble. If you want to get in trouble in ordinary holiness crowd, now I just got talking about their looks. After all, we're all beautiful. Of course, some look better going than do coming, but anyway, we're all beautiful. But a 
good man delights in the way the Lord leads us. Do you notice that? The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord and he delights in his way. He's glad to take the way the Lord leads. He rejoices in it. Brother Gray had somewhat to say this morning about some of the things. It's too hard. You go out, go down to Indianapolis. For many years, Sister Denton and I came to Indianapolis and spent a weekend every winter. We tried to come when it was just as cold. We wanted to come the coldest time because the coldest time, you get a chance to work with more of those people on the street. And for many years, we've done that. You go down there and work with the folks on the street for a few while, and you'll find out that the way of holiness is not the hard way. The way of the transgressor is hard. Amen. Why? Oh, but brother, didn't you have so much trouble? Well, bless God. Isn't it wonderful that when you have trouble, you have someone with you to help you? I've tried to help a lot of poor fellows, not only in Indianapolis, but in many places. Nobody to help me. We carry on a correspondence with hundreds of men in the penitentiaries across this country. And this hard cry, the sad cry of most of them are, nobody cares. And the fact of business is that's true. For the simple reason that they've taken the way of the world and when the world gets through with you, they don't care anything about you. And I'm glad, thank God, I appreciated Mark's testimony this morning. God bless you, Mark. I rejoice with brother and sister Gray knowing that their son is taking God's way. Oh, I've seen so many out there that had nobody to pray for them, nobody cared for them. But if you and I are minding God and God's leading the way with us, no matter how hard the way gets, no matter how difficult the problem may be, no matter how rough the road may become, we always have somebody that's with us because he's leading us. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. And he delights in his way. The psalmist cried out, I delight to do thy will, O Lord. Whatever it is, Whatever it is, Psalm 1 tells us, you know, about God's man. His delight is in the law of the Lord. He doesn't have to have a TV or video or even a soap opera on the radio. He don't even have to have a gossiping neighbor. Thank God he delights in God's way. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Someone, you know, several folks have mentioned to me here since I've been on these grounds, and I appreciate their concern. Don't you get awful lonesome since your wife is gone? Certainly I do. But I have someone with me. Never alone. Don't you, don't you worry about traveling here at 76 years of age, still driving all night many times, just like I probably will tonight, the Lord willing. Aren't you afraid? I'm not alone. There's somebody that's guiding the steps of a good man, order of the Lord, and he delights in his way. He enjoys going the way that God leads. Oh, but Brother Denton, it's getting rough. 
Well, isn't that why the Lord tells us in Hebrews chapter 12, wherefore seeing we also encompass about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before me, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who endured such contradiction of sinners against yourself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your mind. For ye have not yet resisted unto blood, striving against sin. Why, we want to be like Jesus. And that said, that for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. I want to tell you, friends, there is joy in doing the will of God and in walking in the way that God would have you to go. So I watched this group of children this morning set in one of the services, the young people, couple of the services this week. I've been thinking about some things. Some of them been mentioned here this morning. I look this crowd over. Many members come to me. I knew Delbert Fletcher when he was in school. 34 years ago, I held a revival meeting. Brother Fletcher, I think it was his first pastor. I knew him well. I loved him. He's gone. Brother Victor Gibson. I was with him in a meeting more than 20 years ago. I don't recall exactly how long. Brother Victor, God doesn't undertake. is getting near his home going. I was thinking about Brother Fry that was mentioned 34 years ago in August. Oh, Brother R.W. Chatfield, old Pilgrim Holiness Evangelist. I had the privilege of being with him the last two camp meetings in which he preached. And one of those camps, Brother Fry, was the president of that camp. Now he's suffering. Oh, I think it's so many. I stood here in the airport in Indianapolis. Brother Glenn Griffith years ago. We've been in a meeting together here in Indianapolis. Brother Griffith was leaving. I was waiting for my plane. He was waiting for his. He took me by the hand, looked me in the face, and said, Brother Denton, I won't be seeing you anymore. Oh, I said, Griff, you're just feeling bad. Why don't you take off and rest for a few weeks? I said, go home with me. We'd be glad to have you. Sister Denton thought the world, Brother Griffin. We'd be glad to have you. Just go home with me. You won't have to do a thing. No, he said, Brother Denton. I'm going home. You won't be seeing me anymore. I was due to make a trip to Central America. Went for three weeks. Got back about midnight. Landed in Knoxville. Got in home. Something after midnight. Early the next morning, the phone was ringing with the news. Brother Griffith was gone. Others like that I can name. They're going, going, going. Good men. 
And the thing that bothers me, while the steps of those good men have been led out of this world and in the world to come, who's going to fall in line to walk in their steps? I was in a church many years ago. Man, woman in that church by the name of Roberts, I'll give you their name, but probably you'd never known them anyway. They were older people. They were lovely folk. I wasn't married at the time. In fact, it was during that uh, spring that I did get married. But one day sat at the table, both of them began to weep. Finally, I said, what's wrong? They said, Brother Denton, you know our son. Really, I hadn't thought about it. I said, I know your son. Yes, you were in college with him. You played football with him until you got saved. And then they named their son. His name happened to be Gene. They said, are you in school with Gene? To my amazement, I discovered that here was a man and a woman whom I was their pastor before I'd gotten saved. I was in school with their son, he and I. We're on the same football team. When I got saved, I quit, of course. Gene was the outstanding player. He was a star. He was known across the nation as one of the great college football players. Gene had gone into sin, deeply into sin. He was one of the crowd that I ran with before God got to my heart. They sat there weeping and said, Do you ever pray for Gene? I had to admit that I didn't know he was their son. And I promised to pray for him. Time went by. There came a day when the church had a homecoming. Great crowd of people. The house was packed. I preached in the morning service. Gave an opportunity for folk to say whatever they had to say. The dear old brother Roberts got up. Walked back and forth across the church in front of the pulpit stand, tears flowing down his cheeks. Finally, he turned and looked at me and he said, Brother Denton, I'm getting close to the end of things. Here's Brother So and so over here, and I named another of the older men. He won't be with us long. Here's Sister So and so over here. She won't be here long. And he went down the line, named his wife, and the, the people who were really keeping the church going and holding it together. And he stood there trembling. He said, Brother Denton, the thing that bothers me is who's going to step into my place? Who's going to take over when we're gone? Everything was still for a few minutes. I hardly knew what to say. I was still comparatively a young man. I hardly knew what to say when all of a sudden there was a movement in, right in the back, on the very back seat of that church. Crowd was so thick I hadn't even been able to see who all was there. But somebody stood up back there. Saved him, transformed his life, got him out of professional football, put him in the service of God. Years went by, go down the streets of Knoxville one day, I saw a great big husky man coming toward me with a smile on his face and his hands out. There's a moment I 
Before I recognize, here's Gene. A few years have passed. He looks a little different, but he still has a smile on his face. He came and grabbed me, and we had a good time in you and acquaintance and fellowship together. And finally, I got around to asking him, Gene, how are you getting along with the Lord? He said, David, you remember that Sunday when God saved me? You remember the promise I made? I said, I certainly do. I've never forgotten it. He said, Dad's been gone now for a while. Mother's gone. Most of the older people are gone. But he said, the church is going better than it has. And by the help of the grace of God, I'm doing my best to take Dad's place. Oh, I wondered as I looked this crowd of young people over this morning, how many here are willing to step into line and when the time comes that you must assume the place of responsibility and leadership and carry the burden and do the work and pray the prayers and win the souls, how many of you are going to be ready to take the place, the steps of a good man and a good woman? Shall we stand? I don't want to take for granted the heritage of holiness that has been passed on. Thank you for listening to Convention Pulpit, a ministry of Interchurch Holiness Convention, featuring Wesleyan voices past and present. For more sermons or for more information, visit www.ihconvention.com. This ministry is made possible through the financial support of our listeners. You may give online at ihconvention.com or send your donation to IHC, Post Office Box 99, New Berlin, Pennsylvania, 17855 USA. I don't